Okay, Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 2, starting in verse 1. This is what God's word says. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth, come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. And then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity and every good path For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you and understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways." So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. No one who go, no one, excuse me, none who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land, and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be rooted out. This is the word of the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that you would apply these truths uh, to our hearts and to our minds and help us to seek to understand how they should inform how we live this week. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, if you've ever seen the inside of my office, or if you know me even a tiny bit, you, well, some of you girls have seen the inside of my office. I remember last year, right after I got here, you guys destroyed my office. Uh, Yeah, I had a jellyfish balloon thing. But anyway, that's not related to what we're talking about. Don't have time for tangents. Um, So if if you've seen my office, or if you've talked to me at all, you know I'm the type of person who likes to read. Right? Uh, I did, a, I did a, a quick count of how many books are on my desk just right now. I have over 40 just sitting on my desk that I am uh, either actively reading or I'm picking up and periodically reading. That's just what's on my desk. That's not counting all the ones that are on my laptop and my Kindle app or all the ones that are on uh, my bookshelves in my office. Uh, and so I, I share all that because I have this, this delight in reading and it manifests itself in choosing to read. And in a similar way, this passage, uh, Solomon is speaking to his son. And if you notice here, he says, my son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you. So he, he speaks about this, this love that the son should have for his commandments for his instruction and he says that the son's love for that should manifest itself in a particular way that is in accordance with the the reality that the son delights in his father's 
instruction, okay? And so tonight, our main theme, what we're talking about is this, is that uh, loving wisdom leads to wise living. So loving wisdom leads to wise living. And so the first week, we talked about uh, the fact that the fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom, Second week, we talked about that that life that fears the Lord, that seeks to walk in wisdom, uh, is, is a, a beautiful life. This is the description that God gives us in Proverbs chapter 1. But not only that, uh, last week we talked about uh, how seeking wisdom actually brings security. There is uh, a, a sense of safety in living your life according to the will of God as taught in the word of God, living according to God's Design and, and so tonight we are uh, our our thesis what we're working with is the idea that loving wisdom leads to wise living and in this passage there's three things that are uh, requirements you could say prerequisites for living wisely the first if you desire to live wisely the first prerequisite or the first requirement is that you must be the kind of person who is admitting your need for wisdom. Admitting your need for wisdom. Second, acknowledging the source of wisdom. And third, applying the teachings of wisdom, particularly in moments of temptation and testing. So the first point, admitting your need for wisdom. Second, acknowledging the source of wisdom. And finally, Applying the teachings of wisdom. Let's talk about that first one for a moment here. If you look at verse 1, he says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commands. And then in verse 2, make your ear, making your ear attentive to wisdom, inclining your heart to understand. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, seek it like silver and search for it like hidden treasures. So Solomon, he begins, so this, this whole chapter is kind of a, an if-then statement. If you do this, then this will happen. And the first thing that Solomon uh, tells his son is you need to admit your need for wisdom. Now you might be asking, well, where do you see that? In the fact that he's calling his son to seek it. So you don't seek for something that you already possess. So in the mere fact that Solomon is calling his son to seek for wisdom, you first have to admit, I'm unwise. I don't have wisdom. Therefore, I'm going to seek the wisdom that God provides. But I'm getting ahead of myself because that's the second one, the source of wisdom. And so at fir- the very first thing, uh, the prerequisite uh, that, um, that Solomon says here is, is that you need to admit that you need wisdom, that you need the, uh, to know the will of God as taught in the word of God and allow God's will to be what orders your life. And you need to admit your need of God's direction in order to be someone who lives wisely. One of my favorite Christmas movies is The Polar Express. 
Um, and in there, there's this know-it-all kid who, uh, who is always like, yeah, you know what kind of train this is? And then he's, he's you know, got this like, really nasally voice, and he's, he's, a, he's a know-it-all, right? And you come, to the end of, you come to the end of the movie, and the conductor, he takes all the tickets of each of the kids, and he gives them a little message, something to take home with them so they can meditate on it and think about it. And you come to the, you come to the, the, the know-it-all kid, and he's holding, he's holding it, and he says, it says, it says lean. And uh, he's like, actually, if you move your finger, it says learn. And so the message that he leaves this know-it-all kid with is that he needs to be the kind of person who is humble enough to admit that he still has something to learn. And in a similar way, that's kind of what Solomon is saying to his son. You need to have enough humility to admit that you need God to instruct you, that you need wise older people who are faithfully following after the Lord to give you instruction and correction. So my question for you as you as you hear this calling of this passage, are you the kind of person who is willing to receive instruction and even correction? As you think about your own life and you think about the various times maybe that your mom or dad has come and, and tried to bring some instruction or some correction. Oftentimes, we are the kind of people who, who uh, kind of build these walls to uh, these walls of pride that kind of prevent instruction from coming in. We like to think that we know more than we really do. And the result of that is that instruction and wisdom is actually prevented from coming into, as verse 10 says, coming into our hearts from transforming our thoughts because we often think of ourselves more highly than we ought to. And I was just sharing this with the Roots, the roots group um, just a, a little bit ago. The antidote for pride is the gospel because when you are faced with the cross, what the cross reveals one of the things that the cross reveals is your own foolishness, sin, weakness, and failure. It shows us that Jesus had to die so that the penalty for our sins could be paid and so that the power of foolishness over us, the power of sin over us, could be broken and so that we could be set free to live wisely, that is, in accordance with God's will as taught in God's word. And so the gospel is is what we need to come back to as we are uh, asking ourselves, am I the type of person who's willing to admit that that I need wisdom? Am I the type of person who is uh, teachable, Right? Uh, my my first uh, my first job as a pastor, um, the the pastor used to say, "We want fat people, okay? Fat people, faithful, available, and teachable." Okay, you like that? Uh, <laughs> so that 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 last one, we want that's the kind of people that we want to be. We want to be faithful, available to serve, and we want to be teachable. 
And that's kind of the idea that, that Solomon is conveying here is what he's saying to his son is you need to be the kind of person who seeks wisdom. And the only person who seeks wisdom is the one who recognizes that he doesn't have it. Does that make sense? Okay, point number one done. Let's go to number two here. Uh, number two, acknowledging the source of wisdom. Acknowledging the source of wisdom. Look at verse six for a minute there where he says this. He says, for the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth, for the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. So Solomon explains to his son Not only does he need to admit his need for wisdom, but he needs to acknowledge the one who is in himself the source of all wisdom. You see, God is the one who is in himself the standard of wisdom. And so anything that is considered wise in this world that is truly wise will be in accordance with his will and his character. So anything that is out of alignment with God's will and God's character is foolishness. Okay, And so he says, he says this, that God is the one who reveals how to live wisely. And specifically, it's through the, the medium of speech. Did you guys catch that? It says, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. It's almost like when Jesus is tempted in the wilderness by Satan... And Satan says, take these stones and turn them into bread. And Jesus' response is this. He says, man shall not, have you not read? It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So Jesus himself recognizes, well, duh, because he's God. Uh, but he, he's teaching uh, us through that passage that wisdom comes from the mouth of God, just as the author of Proverbs is teaching us this as well. And so wisdom must be sought after, must be acknowledged uh, at the source, if you will. I want you to imagine for just a minute that it's Saturday morning, okay? You've just woke up. You get the f- a faint whiff of something that smells, you're, you think that it's bacon. How many of you like bacon? Bacon. Okay, okay, most of you like bacon, all right. Or imagine whatever your favorite breakfast food is, right? So you get this faint whiff of, of something you, and it, you think it's bacon. And so as you, as you start to smell it, it, you kind of, it raises you up out of bed. You get out of bed and you, you open the door and you step out of the hallway and the smell is stronger. And you're like, oh, yes, this is bacon. Right? And so you begin to walk down the hall, and with every step, the, the smell, the beautiful smell of bacon fills your nostrils. And maybe some of you have to walk downstairs, and you walk downstairs, and the smell just keeps getting stronger and stronger. And finally, you come into the kitchen, and you see either your mom or dad, don't know who makes breakfast in your house, um, but you see your mom and dad, and they're just turned around, and there's a plate filled with a breakfast feast, and bacon was the last crucial element that they just placed upon that beautiful plate. And they plop it down on the counter, and they say, I've made you breakfast. Now, in that story, what you have done is you have traced the source of that, that beautiful scent all the way to the, to the epicenter of glory, 
uh, in the kitchen. <laughs> I guess I'm hungry. <laughs> um, and uh, so the illustration is this, that we have to seek wisdom at the source, okay? <laughs> you have to seek wisdom at the source. Uh, um, <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, um, so that's, that's the point, is you have to seek wisdom at the source. And so Solomon, he desires for his son to, to acknowledge God as the source of of all wisdom, of true wisdom. And so he tells his son that in order to live a truly wise life, he must, be, he must be constantly acknowledging the fact that anything that is wise is in accordance with God's will as taught in God's word. And so he should come to God's word and come to God and seek to gain understanding for the purpose of knowing how to live rightly how to live wisely. And the truth is, is that often we will agree with that, with that proposition in theory. We'll say, yes, I believe that God is the source of all wisdom. But then when we get in tough situations, maybe uh, someone uh, is up in your face and they're, they're yelling at you and saying mean things, the, the natural uh, inclination in that moment is not to listen to the wisdom of God's word, which says that a gentle answer turns aside wrath, but rather we look to worldly wisdom and we say, get angry back, get even. Revenge. Say, yes, thank you. Um, and so that's, that's the, in those moments of temptation and testing, often we don't live like we actually believe that God's ways are better than our ways. Often in the moments of tempting and uh, trial, we reveal that we think that we are wiser than God. We think that our ways are better than God's ways. And so as you survey your life and and as you... uh, Think about the decisions that you make in the everyday moments and in the situations that you're faced with. Uh, Honestly ask yourself, would you say that you regularly ask the question, what does God's word have to say about this situation? Would you say that you regularly ask the question, what does God's word have to say about when I have conflict with a a family member? What does God's word have to say about when I feel peer pressure to say something, to do something, to um, act in a way that is out of alignment with God's will as taught in God's word? Do we regularly ask what God's word has to say about the situations in our lives? So, my call to action for you as you are seeking to apply this passage is this, is that you would make a practice regularly to open the scriptures and ask, what does God's word have to say about any given situation that you're facing? Could be, um, could be being made fun of at school, could be um, you know, 
tension between you and your mom and dad could be whatever, but make it a practice to regularly ask yourself, what does God's word have to say about the various things that are going on in your lives? And the last thing, which is closely related to what we've just been talking about, is applying the teachings of wisdom. So first we said we have to admit our need for wisdom, and we said we have to acknowledge God as the source of wisdom. And finally, we have to apply the teachings of wisdom, especially, as we just said, in moments of temptation and testing. Look at verse 9 there for just a minute when he says, Then, so if you admit your need for wisdom, if you acknowledge God as the source of wisdom, then verse 9, then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path, and wisdom will come into your heart. So from that place of humility, from that place of acknowledging God and his word as the source of true wisdom, that's when you begin to grow in wisdom. That's when you begin to understand how to live life in accordance with God's will as taught in God's word. And so Solomon explains that after having, uh, you know, admitted your need for wisdom and uh, acknowledged God as the source, um, that that should change the, the way that you make decisions. It should change the way that you live your life. Uh, if, you, if you could, just for a moment, imagine that you had uh, won the, the lottery, okay? Imagine that you had won the lottery, and rather than, um, rather than uh, you know, spending it all on a bunch of stuff or giving a bunch of it to, uh, to charity, imagine that you um, just took all that money that you won in the lottery and you just stuffed it in a bank account. Never did anything with it. That would feel like a waste, right? Be a waste of, waste of money. If it just sits there, never does anything, never helps anybody, right? And that's, it's the same way when you have come to the place where you, where you admit your need for wisdom, you acknowledge God as the source of wisdom, but then if you don't apply the wisdom of God's word to your life, what benefit are you receiving at that point? You're not actually living consistently with what you profess at that point. And so by default, you're not actually living a wise life. You're living a foolish life. And in this passage, we actually see two specific times of temptation or testing that are going to be very common throughout your life. The first is you see this group of people that live contrary to the word of God and to the will of God. It says that their ways are evil, right? It says they delight in doing things that are not in accordance with God's will. And so Solomon says not to fall in with these people, Okay? And so that's, that's an application of wisdom is not to uh, follow along with these individuals, not to throw your lot in with them as it said in chapter 1. But another area of application is actually in the area of what we might call sexual ethics. Right? He says, he says you will also be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth 
words. And so there, now you most likely are not going to encounter this exact scenario, but you live in a culture that is just inundating you with all kinds of sexual content and sexual temptation. And what this passage teaches us is that if we seek to consistently apply the, the word of God, the, his revealed will in the scriptures, and we seek to conform our lives to his will, and if we seek to understand God's will for our lives, that will actually protect you in those moments of temptation. Because in the moment of temptation, you'll say, you know what? God's word tells me that the, the, the pure in heart actually are really the ones who are happy. God's word tells me that uh, the steadfast love is the deepest pleasure that I could ever have. And so you will have stockpiled your heart with an arsenal of scriptural weaponry to defend you in the moment of temptation. And so that's what he's calling his son to do in these moments when he's faced with temptation. And this is what we need to do as well, because so often we react instead of responding. Okay? React in the sense that we just immediately act out of the sinful desires of our hearts, whether uh, responding in anger or responding in lust, whatever it is. We react instead of taking time to process the situation and then respond in a way that is in accordance with God's will as taught in God's word. And so it does take uh, using our brains a little bit, right? I mean, it's not, it's not, exactly, the, uh, it's not, it's not exactly the easiest thing to follow Jesus. It does require some effort on our part. But here's the amazing thing is that God has promised that in the midst of this life, in the midst of the trials and the temptations and the tragedies and everything that is going on, God has said, I will be faithful. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And the proof that God will never leave us and will never forsake us is the fact that he sent his one and only son to pay the penalty for our sins, to die upon the cross, to live the perfect life that we should have lived but never do because we are sinners. God sent Jesus to prove to us that he is for us, that he is with us. And not only that, Jesus, after he rose from the dead, one of my, this is one of my favorite, uh, favorite verses. He says this when he's telling the disciples, 12 you know, scared dudes, or well, 11 minus Judas, right? 12 scared dudes, and he tells them, okay, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and go get the nations, right? Bring them to me, baptize them, you know, teach them to obey, all of these different things. But then the promise that he gives them, it's, it often gets translated, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. But actually, a more accurate translation is this. I am with you all of the days. This is the promise that Jesus, the risen Jesus, has given to us as his people, that when we are faced in those moments of temptation and trial, he is with us. 
The Bible tells us that he has given us his Holy Spirit, and one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to apply the scriptures that he has inspired. Does that make sense? Okay. Let's pray, and then we'll jump into our groups.